anyway, we do welcome you all. Tonight is a real special night. Vision Sunday is a really special day because the premise is this. If you don't know why you're doing something, then why are you doing it? Right? If you don't know why you're doing something, if you're dating and you don't know why you're dating or why you're dating this person, why are you dating them? Or if you're studying, but you don't know why you're studying, you don't know why you're studying that degree, you know? Or you're working, you don't know why you're doing that. We're going to talk about vision tonight, and, and the definition of vision is really simple. It's the ability to see, right? Vision is the ability to see. And when we talk about it in an organizational element, vision in an organization is the ability to see and think and plan about the future. In every company, they have a vision. Why? because they have an idea of where they want to go. You know, every organization has a vision, whether it's stated or not, they have a vision because they they have an idea of where they want to go. Because the thing is this, if you don't have vision, then literally you are just existing. If you don't have vision in your life, if you don't have a goal of where you want to go, or even an idea of where you want to go, then you're just existing. Literally, you're waking up, you're living your life, you're breathing, eating, and then you just go to bed. Vision is what makes a difference. In the same way, church also must have vision. The ability to see, the ability to see into the future of what they want the future to look like because Even for church, if you don't know why you do what you do or where you're going, then we're just existing. If we've got no goals or no steps forward or or no plans, ultimately we have no future. But unlike the companies in the world where their vision and their future is usually based around a bottom line profit, based around global domination, market share, things like that. Our vision for the church is not defined by us. But the vision for the church is defined by God because it's God's church. See, that's the difference between church and a worldly organization. The future of the church is not defined by you or me, but the future of the church is defined by God, who is the epicenter of the church, because he is the past, present, and future of this church. What God desires for the church is stated in Scripture. So it's not our job to think about what would God want. No, it's our job to study the Scriptures to know what God wants for our church. Now, companies will have vision statements that describe what the company desires to achieve in the long run. It depicts the vision of what the company will look like in the future and helps to set defined direction for planning and execution of different strategies. And this is exactly the same for us here at the chapel. Now, if you've been at the chapel, you will know, hopefully, what our vision statement is. Now, this statement is where we want to go. Okay, 
The Chapel Sydney vision statement reads this. The Chapel Sydney is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational gospel community that exists to love God and love people. Five key components. Number one, multi-ethnic. When we first started, we said we will not be bound by ethnicity nor culture. And for the first maybe five years, we were still predominantly one culture. But I'm so glad. I think that one, I feel like we can just not tick it off yet, but we're definitely making some big moves. Multi-generational, we're not just about our generation, but we're about honoring the, the past generation, but also preparing for the future generation. If we're not thinking about the next generation, then this church has no future. It's as simple as that. So multi-ethnic, multi-generational. We're a gospel community. We're not a social club. We're not even a good social club. Can I tell you, if this was a social club, I'll be completely honest, I wouldn't come. Okay? It's not all of you. It's just some of you. Okay? I'm just joking. I, really, I, don't, I wouldn't come. We're a gospel community. We're about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what we're founded on. And we exist to do two things. We get together to love God and to love people. To love God, we want to do things that express our love for God and then help others to do the same. That's why we usually sing. You know, that's why we pray together. We honor God. We love him by expressing that in, in our hearts and our, and our minds and our words. But we also love people. We want to love others in the way that we would want to be loved ourselves. The Chapel Sydney is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational gospel community that exists to love God and love people. Where does this come from? Right? Mark chapter 12, verse 30 to 31, known as the great commandment, reads this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. This is the vision that we believe that has been given to every church. I, I, don't, think we, I don't think we have something special, you know, unique from every other church. I think every church is, this is the vision really. But what we've tried to do is we've tried to put it in words so that you and I can look at that and go, yep. That's where we're going. That's where we want to go. The reason why we take a year every year as we kick off the year to remind ourselves of this is really to firstly look back and go, are we heading in the right direction? Or have we been heading in the right direction? According to this year's plans, are we heading in the right direction? And then next year's plans, it's like, what do we need to plan to head in the right direction? As I said, with, without this, right, without knowing where we're going, we're just existing. And can I tell you, most of the time when you exist, you just waste. You waste your time. I don't, want to, I don't want 2021 to be a waste. I want 2021 to be the greatest year that we in, as individuals, we as families, we as a church have ever experienced. And I believe that that's what God wants for us. But for us to do that, we need to know where we're going. You know, if you're new to the church or newish to the church and you're like, what is this church about? That's where we're going. That's what we're about. The, those are the five key components 
of where we want to be. Now, if you look at that and go, I don't know if this church is for me, that's fine. That's perfectly normal. That's, that's perfect. That's why we have it. That's why we state it. So that you know where we're going. Friends, without vision, we live our lives blind. But when we have vision, when we can see, we are given the greatest opportunity to live the life that God called us to live. And that's what Paul says in Ephesians 4. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. One of the saddest things that I see, one of the saddest things that I see, and we talked a little bit about this last month, but one of the, the most heartbreaking things that I see is when I see people not living out their calling. Either they're living someone else's calling, either they're living some second-rate calling, and God has given them this buffet of a life to live, and they're struggling eating crumbs. So frustrating. God has given every single one of us amazing plans. And yet so many times we forego God's plans for our plans. Can I tell you, your plans aren't as good as God's. They're really not. You can't guarantee tomorrow. You don't know what next year's going to look like, but God knows the end of your life. Don't you think it'd be smarter to trust him? You know that question, right? Where do you think you'll be in 10 years' time? That's a scary question. You know, our church is eight years old this year. Right? Every year we celebrate, first week of June, right? That's our anniversary, right? And we celebrate every year. Why? Because we are not guaranteed for our next anniversary. I kid you not. But already it's eight years. I was thinking about that question, where will you be in, in, um, in 10 years' time? I know this is going to be really shocking, and I want you to all sort of like brace yourself, Right? I'm nearly 50, right? My oldest son, Christopher, will be 24. He will drive McDonald's to your house. <laughs> he will be, no, you have to pay for it, okay? He'll be working for Uber Eats or something, right? You don't understand. We think 10 years is nothing. Like we, we, honestly, you and I, we can't fathom what next 10 years looks like, but God can. And that's the point. You've got to trust God. So friends, if, if the vision is where we want to go in the future, then the question is, well, how do we get there? Right? If that's the plan for the future, how do we get there? And what that is called is our mission. And the mission statement outlines how we achieve our vision. And at our church, the mission statement, the most recent mission statement, reads this. To belong to Jesus, to become like Jesus, and be a blessing in Jesus' name for his glory. And that comes from Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. Jesus said, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And this has become one of the most important verses in our church. And I love that first word, come. Jesus says to us, first come. He doesn't say first believe, first become. Go fix your life. Go and get a degree. Go and be educated. Come to church for three years first, and then you can come to me. Jesus says, first come. 
How beautiful is this that Jesus begins with an invitation to all mankind, regardless of who you are, regardless of what you believe, regardless of what you've done in the past, regardless of what addictions or illnesses you struggle with, Jesus begins with an invitation to you to come. That's why I love Jesus so much. See, I know some of you, you know me. You've known me for, well, some of us, you know, the longest period would be 16 years here, right? Except Sangi, who has known me for way much longer than that. But we don't talk about those times in high school, our BC days. You know, you, you, you would have a good idea of who I am. But I know myself a lot better. And when I look in the mirror, I know how jacked up I am. I know how sinful I am. I know how broken I am. And why I love Jesus so much is because even though he knows me and he knows everything that I've done, everything that I'm struggling with right now, everything that I'm going to do in the future, and every mistake that I'm going to make, he still says to me, come. He still has his hands out to invite me and says, come. That's what I love about Jesus so much. Because there's no one in this world, there's no one in this world that will love you as much as Jesus. And he says, come. The first thing that we need to understand is that the only way we're going to achieve our vision of loving God is when we recognize that it was God who loved us first. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God so loved the world. Not God so loved the righteous. Not God so loved the moral. Not God so loved those that love him. But God so loved the world. So much that he sent his one and only son to die on the cross for your sin and mine. God loved us first, not the other way around. He calls us to belong to him. Secondly, God calls us to become like him. But you've got to be careful. You've got to make sure that the order is right in this. Only after we really understand that we belong to him will we become like him. You can't fake it the other way. See, a lot of, thing, a lot of churches, I think, get this mixed up. You've got to get better. You've got to become more like, you've got to be a Christian. You've got to believe more. You've got to know the Bible more. You've got to come to church more. And then the better you become, the, the more you mature, then Jesus will accept you. No. Jesus accepts you now. But if you and I truly understand that, and if we truly embrace that, that will change you. To know that you are loved and accepted by this God, even in your brokenness and sinfulness, that will change your life. When we belong to God, when we know that from the bottom of our heart, it changes us. You can't not change. It's too big of a deal. It changes the way we think, changes the way we feel, changes the way we prioritize in our lives. Because when we belong to God, God is the number one priority in our life. Before we belonged to God, who was the number one priority? Me. I did everything for me. 
It was about my time, my schedule, my money. But when we finally understood that God loved us so much that we belong to him, then our priorities shift. They must shift. It's like getting married. You can't get married and then just live the same life. I'm telling you, I've tried it. It didn't work out well. I promise you. I really didn't understand this. I was young, very immature. <laughs> I got married. We got married 14 years ago. And I was seriously very foolish. I was like, what do you mean I can't go out and meet my friends every night? <laughs> what do you mean I need to tell you that I'm going to go play volleyball every Sunday night for the next four months? That's what I normally do. You can't make major decisions in your life and things not change in your life. Everything changes when we believe that we belong to God. And the beauty is we don't have to guess how to change, but Jesus, the Son of God, becomes the model of our change. We change more and more to reflect his character, to be more like Jesus. Finally, we're called to be a blessing, meaning that we're called for more than just ourselves. If we know we belong to God, then naturally we will change to be more like God through his son Jesus. And if that's the case, as we change, we will naturally become blessings towards others. We stop living for ourselves. And we start living for others. This is how we go from loving God to loving people. It's blessing. That's maturity. Because even at the beginning, right, when you love God, it can still be about you. You can be the primary recipient of the blessing. But when we start to understand that the way Jesus lived his life, it wasn't about him. It was about other people. And when we start to incorporate that in our own lives, that's when we start to learn. That's what it means to love God and then to love people. Matthew five fourteen to 16. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Friends, you were created for more than just to be you. And until we can truly grasp that, we will never be able to obtain, achieve living out our vision individually in our lives and also collectively as a church. If we think that church is about you and me, if we think that church is about everyone that comes into this building and we can't see beyond the four walls of our church, we will never get to fulfill the, the vision that God has given us as a church. I promise you, God did not start this church eight years ago for us to be comfortable. God started this church eight years ago to make a difference. Are we there yet? I think we're moving there. I think we're getting there. But we've still got places to go, people to meet. Belong, become, bless. This is how we as a church will move forward to 
achieving the vision that God has given to us. But today, on Vision Sunday, as we take this moment to pause and and revisit our vision, I've actually titled this sermon, See the Vision, Be the Vision. And I want to show you two traps that can uh, stop us from achieving this vision collectively as a church. The first trap is this, sideline mentality. Sideline mentality is this, I don't need to be in the game, I can just watch. See, what I've outlined for you today is the vision of our church, but I didn't give it to you so that you could see it, but I actually gave it to you so that you can be it, so that you can get into the game. It's an invitation for you to be a part of this church community and not just know about this church community. Big difference, right? Whether you've been coming to our church for years, months, or even just weeks, we believe wholeheartedly that church is not a spectator sport. I am not here to perform for you. It's not like you come, you pay money, you buy a ticket, and you see a great show. Trust me, there are better shows. You're, You're wasting your money. Church was never meant to be about a spectator sport. It was never meant to be about what you can come and receive, but it's an invitation for you to be in the game. 1 Peter 2 verse 4 to 5, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by human but chosen by God and precious to him, you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What this this passage is saying is that the vision of the church is not something that the pastors and the leaders are meant to achieve, but it's for the whole church, collectively, you and I, we're all meant to get there. But the problem is this. The problem is when sideline mentality comes in. Oh, that's a great vision, Steve. I hope you get there. So many people have this idea that it's, it's about the leaders, about the pastors and the, the ministry leaders or the life group leaders. They're the ones that are going to, you know, pave the way for the church. No. You know, we truly believe in a priesthood of all believers that every single believer of God has a responsibility in the family of God. God did not call you to sit on the sideline, but God called each of you to get in the game. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have to recognize that the vision that was outlined to you is not for me, but it's for us. And the only way we get there is when we all get together to move collectively in that direction. For some of you, it's about investing into the community that you're a part of. For some of you, it's just recognizing that this is my family. For some of you, it's about serving. Some of you, it's about giving. Some of, it, some of you, it's about hospitality, opening up your house. And you know what? There's no single right way to do this. And that's the beauty of the family. You know, um, in Corinthians, it uses the, the image of the body, the, the, the body of Christ. You know, not each part is the same. Every part has a different role. You got hands, you got feet, you got heads, you got shoulders, you got knees. And you got toes. And then you got fingernails. You got eyebrows. 
And someone's got to be the anus. <laughs> someone's got to be the anus. But every part of your body is so important. Every part is different but important. And that's what it means to be a part of the game. And what I'm saying is, you do you. You do you. You take whatever gifting that God has given you. You take the personality that God has given you. And you get in the game with that. I had a conversation just before church today, just before service started, with who I thought was one of the, the friendliest, most extroverted people in our church. And we're talking about um, this person's involvement in the church. For me to only find out that actually this person has like uh, social anxiety, it's really tough for this person to do small talk. And I was like, oh my God. Why are you serving the way you serve then? And, 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 and this person was telling me, no, this is, I'm trying to, I'm trying to push myself to, to be, go out of my comfort zone to serve God. It's like, that's amazing. That's what it means to get in the game. It means get your hands dirty. You know, it means don't just come and go. Don't be a spectator. And if I use another word, don't be a consumer. Don't just come and consume what's good here, but be a contributor. Be a part of this body. All you might have to offer is to stand at the door and say hello. And all you might be able to offer is a smile. Can I say do that because we need people that can smile because not everyone can smile. And some people's smiles are just plain awkward and it's confusing, right? You walk into the church and you get this person with an awkward smile or some people, let's be honest, some people got creepy smiles, right? Obviously, no one in the welcoming team has a creepy smile. That's why you're there. But if you've ever been knocked back from the welcoming team, that's maybe one. Yeah, I'm just saying. No, I don't think anyone has. Yet. You do you. Ah, oh, I, I don't do people, Steve. I struggle with people. I've got social anxiety. I need to be in the unseen. We'll jump on our operations team. They're the ninjas of our church. They're in and out. You don't even know what they do. It's one of the most important ministries. They're all important, but this one's so important. They're just in and out. They do things so that you can come and enjoy service. They, and then after you leave there, they're cleaning up. Our slides, they don't just magically, there's no slide fairy, right? It's not like you just, you know, and all these magical slides go, it's not like that. Someone's there at home, you know, coding, you know, like stickers on their computer, and like, you know. Someone's putting in the time. Our Instagram posts. I'm just saying, if you're, in, if you're interested in multimedia, we're looking to hire. We don't, we don't look at looks. <laughs> so for some of you, if that's a, you know, a hindrance, you know, you're welcome, you know. Um, all these things, all these things, you can do. But just you be you. Get in the game. If you're like Steve, I want to get in the game. I want to get involved. Come and speak to me. 
I promise there's a ministry for you. Don't sit on the sideline. 2021, please, don't sit on the sideline. I don't care what you can or can't do. Just do something. Get in the game. So that's the first trap. Second one is this, trying to be someone else. Actually, going back to the idea that the, the church is the body of Christ, you know, not, you know, literally scripture says not everyone can be a hand. If everyone was a hand, we wouldn't be able to see. We'd just be walking around like this the whole time. Or if everyone, you know, was a leg, you know, yeah, we'd be able to walk to places, you wouldn't be able to pick up anything. One of the temptations as a church collectively, I think, and, and individually, is that we see other people and we see how they're in the game. We see how they're serving God. We see how gifted they are and we try to be like them. We look at churches like Hillsong. Wow, they're amazing. You know, the music that they produce. So let's, let's be like Hillsong. Let's try to do everything like Hillsong. I promise you, it never works out. Or you look at other churches with their programs and you go, wow, let's try that. Let's do that. I'm not saying we shouldn't learn from other churches, but we can't live our lives as a church trying to fulfill some other church's vision. God did not create us as a community. God did not bring you and me into this place tonight so that we could fulfill some other church's vision. In the same way that God says, get in the game and you do you as a church. I think God's saying the same thing as a church. You guys do you. We can't do everything in this church. 100% we can't. But we know the things that we're called to as a church. So let's do them. See, the problem is when we're trying to do other people's stuff or trying to be like other churches... At the end of the day, we will forget who we were. And God created us as a community in a unique manner to achieve unique goals as a church. We'll forget our vision. We'll forget where we're trying to go because we're too busy trying to live someone else's life. God says, you be you. And as a church, I believe that God is saying that to us as well. Chapel, Sydney, you be you. We've been around for just under eight years now. And if you've been here for a little bit of time, you will know very quickly that we are not a perfect church. And if you are disappointed with that, it's okay. That's just the way it is. We're far from a perfect church. We never were a perfect church. We'll never be a perfect church. Now, I know, don't, don't, don't let your self-esteem get a kick in the butt, but we're not really the greatest church either. We're definitely not the best-looking church. You know? We're not, we're not, you know, we're not making you know, international headlines. We're not, we're not producing you know, the next Billy Grahams of the world. You know, we're, we're rough. And I don't even blame you. 
as a church. This is not me going, come on, guys, you need to do better. Because I look in the mirror, I go, wow, low bar. <laughs> senior pastor, low bar. But as the senior pastor, there's one thing that I've always appreciated within our community. And I think this is something that's so important. I hope this never changes. And it's reality. I think we're a very real church. I think we're a church that's very quick to admit that we don't have everything together. We really aren't the perfect church. We have so many holes in our programs, it's not even funny. It's like we're Swiss cheese. You guys get that joke? You need to be more cultured, guys. That's one of our gaps. Culture. Just saying. But one of the things that I've always been grateful for is that we have a genuine church. I love it when people say, oh, Steve, I haven't been to church for three, three months. I said, how come? I just didn't feel like it. Thank you. Don't worry, I don't take that personally. You know, I'm, I'm loved by God. I'm confident. I'm secure, you know. But I love the fact, especially in our small groups, in our life groups, and this is why we have life groups. I love the fact that we can get together and talk about the fact that our lives are not perfect. These are my struggles. Pray for this. This is what I'm going through. This is hard. You know, from theological things all the way down to your personal life. That's what life group is all about. I never want to be the church. I never want to be the Instagram church. You know what I mean? Instagram is the top 1% of your life the best 1% of your life, and that's what you put on Instagram. And everyone thinks, wow, what an amazing life. It's all rubbish. It's rubbish. If you believed what was on my Instagram as to be my life, like number one, I'm the greatest father in the world. Two, I'm the most loving husband ever in history. My children are angels and sinless. My church is phenomenal, right? And I go to the gym very regularly. That's all a lie. That 1%. I never want our church to be like that. I want our church to be honest. Be okay with who we are. Be okay that we're broken. Be okay that we've got holes. Be okay that we've got tension in the church. Be okay that we've got relational issues. It's life. But I think this is what God wants. I believe this is what God wants as we approach him. John 4, 23 to 24, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and truth. This is what God wants. He doesn't want your Instagram worship. He doesn't want your mask worship. He doesn't want your Sunday worship. He wants you as you are. And our church, he wants the church as it is. Because this is the church that Jesus died for. Not the Instagram church. This is the church. Friends, God did not create us to just exist in your own life. He did not just create you to do the job or to study or to be in the family, 
to just exist. God created you for so much more. For you to make a difference. For you to bless those around you, to make a difference. And same with our church. God need not start this church for us to just be another church. God started this church because he wanted to see lives saved. He wanted to see the lost found. He wanted to see the, the, the light shine brightly. Friends, 2021, let's do this together. We know where we're going. We know how we're going to get there. And I'm asking you, and I believe God is asking you, jump in the game. Don't sit on the side. Don't be tempted by the things of this world, things that are fleeting, things that will finish in a moment. Invest your life into the eternal. Let's not let this year go by. Don't waste this year. Because I promise you, you've got no guarantee on next year. We've got no guarantee as a church on next year. So we're going to give it everything we have this year to honor God, to love him, and to love his people. And I pray that every single one of us here, and even those for you joining online, that you will jump on board and make 2021 the best year that is yet to come. Let's pray.